Welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. I am your host, Deb Maisner. I'm a registered nurse, a health coach, an alcohol-free badass, an ass-bop for short. And today we are celebrating episode 100. This is so amazing, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I had a lot of fun and a lot of tears also putting together this episode for you all. And what it is is just clips from some of my favorite episodes of the last 100 episodes. So it's been about two years almost, I guess. Over two years? When did I start? I started in March of 2021. Yep. I started at a studio in downtown Boise because they had a great deal going where you could record your podcast for free and they got paid through advertising or that's how it started out. That was Speak Studios. So shout out to, they're now called SB Studios, but shout out to them for helping me launch this. I actually took over doing the podcast by myself last year, last March, just because of scheduling issues and time and whatnot. So I was pretty proud of myself for learning how to do all the recording and editing and all that good stuff. It's not perfect, but I am all about progress over perfection and I'm all about getting it done over being perfect and just letting that go. So anyway, I have been doing the podcast by myself. And it's just been so fantastic to get to talk to so many people around the world about drinking and hear so many stories and talk to experts and and just really be a voice out there to help people change their drinking because I know that it's possible. And I know if you're listening, you are wanting to do something about your drinking or you already have. And I just want you to know, like, how proud I am of you, how proud I am of you for making a change or wanting to make a change, you know, for going against the grain, for going against drinking culture that's so big, so big throughout the world. So I think that you are very brave. And I I think of you as a friend. So thank you for listening. If you've been with me from the beginning or you're just starting, I just want to thank you so much. I have so much gratitude and I really, I love doing this. I really do. So it is my pleasure and it's my honor. And I hope you enjoy this episode reflecting back on some of the last 100 episodes and some of my favorite ones, some of my favorite people in the world, including my brother and my daughter, Atlas. So let's get started. We're going to start with my episode with Casey McGuire Davidson. She's the host of Hello Sunday. I mean, I had a Christmas Eve that was not the point that I stopped drinking, which in retrospect, like Christ, really, where I don't remember going to bed. I'm pretty sure I just passed out. I forgot to fill the stockings, my kids' Christmas stockings and my husband's. And I was the person who like collected the stocking stuff all year. I had a huge stash. I'd been, you know, putting stuff away and my husband didn't know where the stash was. 
right? So I can't imagine. I'm sure he tried to wake me up, right? Of course, he needed the stalking shit. Could not wake me up. I went down in the morning with a brutal hangover. The kids' stockings were like a quarter full. And Mike's stocking was empty. Mine was full because he'd done mine. And the kids were already awake. I could not fix it. And that morning sucked. Like not only how I physically felt, but like the guilt and the self-loathing and the embarrassment and trying to pull it off. Like my mom, I'm sure, was like, where the fuck's Casey? Like I didn't put out the Santa cookies and milk and, you know, all that stuff. So yes, the first Christmas Eve dinner not drinking was hard. And by the way, I went upstairs and like texted my sober bestie. It was like, these fucking people need to finish the wine. Like, how the hell is it taking them this long? Like, you know, and my God, the next day was amazing in in comparison. So like, be realistic. Like, don't just, I feel like so many people romanticize drinking, right? Like, oh, Christmas Eve, you know, my drink, my whatever. Yeah. But what about Christmas morning? Like romanticize sobriety too. Yeah. And and what that story, I mean, thank you for sharing that. That had to have been so gut-wrenching. I can't, I mean, I have moments like that too. And like you said, where it's, that sh- maybe should have been bottom, but then it's yeah, like. No, I, I was hungover. I drank that night. <laughs> right. But what it made me think of is like, choose your heart. Would you rather feel uncomfortable at that Christmas Eve dinner or feel like a sack of shit the next day? I mean, choose your heart. I love, I love that choose your heart. And I love, you know, I thank you for saying that because, you know, I truly believe like being sober is difficult, right? It's hard. Let's, of course it is. Otherwise it wouldn't take us a while to get away from it. But drinking, it's hard too. Like people are always like, oh, people who drink have no willpower. They're weak. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how hard it is to do a job and be a parent with a brutal hangover and a fuzzy memory like every goddamn day? Like that is determination, right? Like that is difficult. But not drinking gets easier, right? It gets so much easier month after month and you get happier. Drinking is hard and it only gets harder. Episode 9, Myths and Facts About Rehab and Addiction with John King. How addiction develops over time and how it varies from person to person. You have somebody who is, you know, born into this world. Maybe they have an alcoholic parent. Maybe they have an alcoholic grandfather or they have addiction somewhere in their family but it's not necessarily a prominent thing in their life and maybe they go through life without a lot of trauma and maybe they don't start drinking until 19 20 21 years versus somebody else who maybe has a pretty disruptive home life active drinking in the home maybe some abuse They start drinking earlier, maybe 13, 14 years old, and then they experiment with other drugs and get into trouble there. Those are two people that have two very different starts as far as whether or not they're going to become problem addicts. Both of them have that potential to be addicts, but the second person I talked about has that higher potential to develop addiction earlier on, whereas the second person might not develop addiction at all. Or if they do, maybe it happens later in life. 
because of something else that, you know, maybe they go through a, a, a divorce and they don't know how to cope with it. So they start drinking every day. I worked with some folks who became addicts in retirement because maybe they were, you know, they'd get off work and they'd have a couple drinks and they'd go to bed and they'd get up and go to work in the morning. And then here they retire and all of a sudden they're thinking, huh, I could have a drink at 11 o'clock in the morning because I don't have anything to do. And, and if you maintain that pattern before you know it, you get dependent on it. So it's really just sheer amount of use. So if you take somebody and just say, I want you to become an alcoholic and that person decides, okay, I'm going to try to become an alcoholic and they start drinking every day, trying to develop addiction, they'll get there no matter who they are. If they stay committed and they drink daily for long enough, they're going to develop addiction. So that potential is in all of us. So kind of accepting that and then, because I, I'm sure you've heard the term normies, how alcoholics, well, it's an AA term, but you know, you talk about the alcoholics and you talk about the normies and those are the non-alcoholics, the okay. social drinkers. But even the social drinkers could be addicts if they drank enough. So wiping that out and just saying everybody has the potential for addiction. It's just whether or not their life has pushed them into that area yet. But once you've reached that ceiling, that addictive ceiling, once you're there, you don't get to go back down. And everybody's born with a different ceiling. So sometimes, you know, you talk about the trauma and the, the things I've been through and the genetics that I have, my predispositions to alcoholism, all of that goes into determining when I reach that addictive level. But once I get there, then I don't get to go back down. Episode 59, my brother shares how he quit drinking. We can have this, we could talk about religion. I mean, that's a whole nother topic here. But far as it, it relates to my drinking, I mean, that was a big part of having that internal dialogue within myself to say to myself that I'm worth being sober for because that person of who you are sober is worth knowing. I don't think people understand just how valuable they are. Not valuable to make bricks and be quote-unquote productive, but really how special you are to who you are, to who God is, and to, to even to creation around you. You matter. So, and you matter you're worth it. Yeah, exactly. You had that kind of, and that, when that, penny drops for a person, I think it makes fight that you have to help yourself. It's like effortless effort. It, it's, it's not going to be easy by no means, but you have that hope that you can persevere through that it, it's going to make that sweat lodge worth sitting in for. I still remember, I would do a lot of sauna time and just sweat out stuff and just, I would just be just thinking about these subjects and it's like, yeah, why? And it really put in front of me a lot of the questions that I had, but the main question that came up was why am I doing this? Why is this worth it? And the only answer for me that really was able to replace drinking was because who you are 
is worth it. And you get on the other side of this, and you are going to have some some pretty deep philosophical, you're going to have some pretty deep, oh, hey, man, things when you drink. You just, you feel so good when you drink, you know. You're going to have those sober, and it's going to be even deeper and more meaningful than they have been. Yeah, tell me how your life has changed in this last year. I would guess from the outside, it probably doesn't look a whole lot different if other people were observing me. Internally, there's this new drive that I have, going to bed, waking up. I, I have this new urgency in life. The time feels different to me. That's a big difference. I'm like, wow, I can't believe how much time I spent thinking about drinking, drinking, and recovering from drinking. Oh, yeah. I mean, the bandwidth that it takes up in your head, it's its amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so now I'm, I'm really, I mean, the difference now is like, like, okay, I really have some long-term, like, why am I having this business, okay? Why, why am I now wanting to, like, I'm really looking forward to understanding more about this whole Eastern Orthodox Christianity side of it that gets completely blocked off from our conversation about Christianity. I'm like, well, what happened in there? What's the history of that? What did other early people, because they had these questions too, what did they have to say about this? So I'm looking forward to getting into those kind of subject matters. So that's on the spiritual side, you know, physically, I'm not really interested in running Ironmans or swimming in the lake or to, you know, doing these kind of things that I am interested in getting back, maybe back into like a jujitsu practice, a movement practice. I really need that for my, my back. I got a squirrely back. And if I do something physical that helped balance it out, that really helps me. And I like to do something where I can see some progression. So I'm really kind of getting back into not just quote unquote working out, but now it's like, training with some real goals ahead of me. And now that I've kind of got past this year, I'm not subjecting myself to so much comfort food. (laughs) Which I think is fine. And like, look, there's times where I just came home from the store with a chocolate cake and I just ate that cake. Well, I mean, you bring up a good point. Like the first year is about sobriety and doing everything you can to just keep the momentum not drink and then the second year like you're already talking about like how can I grow you know now now that I've got that milestone under my belt like how can I grow spiritually how can I grow physically how can I you know just all those different things now yeah yeah I can't say that that, yeah, that thing ahead. about, about, about health. I remember counseling and she was saying, like, you know, where you're, 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 how do you know when you're healthy? It's like, when you're thinking about growing, you're th- when you see growth, I mean, that's, that is health. That's going to also be in a healthy relationship where you're growing closer together. You're playing, you're doing stuff together. It will naturally kind of progress. I mean, it just, it just, it's like that effortless effort. There definitely is discipline involved in this, but it's not a white knuckle. Agreed. Like it, it's worth it. Just like you said, you're worth it. It's worth it. 
How how has your relationship changed with your wife um, and Heather? Well, yeah, she she decided to quit drinking too. She her relationship with alcohol is wildly different than mine. Yeah, but it, it, which really makes it easier. Boy, I can tell in a relationship, especially if it's a long term relationship, and just one side of it decides to go on the sober side of it. Mm-hmm. I could see where that would be difficult because I'm also seeing the other side of it, which which I'm you know thankfully I'm in. She's like, this is great. I want to quit drinking too. I don't know if she really appreciated how much drinking was within my identity and just how it intervened all parts of me. We grew, Debbie, we, we grew up thinking that if you're an alcoholic, you're dead on the street, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never had a term for being like, hey, I, I can't, I have an issue with drinking. And it's like a really good virus that doesn't kill you. It still keeps you right in that zone of like, hey, if we take this guy too far down, he may quit on us. Let's just just ride the clutch here a little bit, you know? <laughs> well, and like you were saying, like you have your own business. You're a, you're a CPA. You're an accountant. You're married. You have a kid. You're, you know, like. You you don't fit that stereotype of someone who has a problem with drinking. Oh, they say the, they said the same thing about getting counseling. You go to work, I do. You take care of your daughter, I do. You love your wife, I do. Do you yell at her? Do you hit her? Do you, you know like are you abusive? It's like, well, no. There's just just I'm just telling you. There's there, I'm telling you I need help. It's like, well, according to our research, you're doing just fine. No, man. Yeah, I do. I mean, I did kind of reach out for help or say something to my at my medical appointments, and they were like, "You're okay (laughs) because you are. You're a mom. You're working as a nurse. Like you're fine. Just maybe cut back a little bit." But it it was always it was yeah. You're still married. Got any DUIs? No. Okay, you're fine. Episode 67, How to Get and Stay Sober with Judy Cook. I know that you had written a poem about alcohol and, and leaving it behind. Can you share that poem? Yeah. Well, what that did, when I first started my journey, I, I, I sort of used to lie in bed wide awake and my mind was whirring. And I actually did, I made a poem. Right, this was right at the beginning of my journey. And then later on, I did a divorce letter. But I've got the poem here. Here we go. I was worried about my drinking. And so it got me thinking. My name is Judy Cook. But I didn't know where to look. One day I looked on Facebook. But where should I start to look? I came across Simon Chapel. As he says, Simon, then Apple. And so began my journey to sobriety, with tools to help me of every variety. Podcasts, YouTube, Zooms and Facebook. That was to be the last drink I took. Discover your trigger. Your belief will be bigger. Train your brain, stand in the rain. Sit with your craving. It will be your saving. Change your mindset. 
and you will forget that drink you once yearned, another milestone was earned. Minutes, hours, days, a week. Alcohol free is what I seek. Thoughts of alcohol are few, and my life is now incredibly new. I am now alcohol free, and I'm very proud of me. With all the help of all my sober, my journey will never be over. I'm now 800 days and counting. Thanks to all for never doubting. I strive to be my best. My passion will never rest. Well, that is wonderful. That is so good. Took me about a week to write. Episode 69, From Prison to Purpose with Martin Lockett. So there you are, you're 24, and you, you know, had this tragic event, this crash, and and then what was life in prison like? What happened next? So let me just say that everything changed for me about three or four days later, when I'm in my, my cell and I'm just minding my own business, and I noticed that someone has slid the Oregonian newspaper underneath my door, and, and I, I didn't understand why I didn't ask to see a newspaper. And I pick it up, and I begin to thumb through it, and I see my picture on the front page of the, the metro section of the Oregonian. And the columnist is, is detailing the lives of my victims. So it, it, now they're, you know, these faceless victims become people. And these people had an incredible story, reading about their lives and how they were addicts who had turned their lives around and were now living in recovery. And they were very involved in the community, as you mentioned, and they were actually coming home from a clean and sober New Year's Eve party that night when they were killed by a drunk driver. And the columnist ended the article with a statement that, that frankly shaped the next 17 and a half years, which was, quote, Perhaps the person they will have ended up helping the most is the man who's charged with killing them, end quote. And in that moment, I knew that those words were profound, right? But I couldn't fully grasp what they were supposed to mean for my life because, again, I know I'm looking at 20 years in prison at the age of 24, something you can't even fathom. But I couldn't ignore that phrase. So I literally meditated on that phrase, hearing it multiple times in my head, for the next several months. And I prayed, you know, for, for, for God to, to show me and reveal what those words were supposed to mean for my life. And then it, it came to me that the only way this tragedy will, will not be in vain is if I carry on their legacies. If, if I literally make it my life's mission to do everything I possibly can to ensure that nobody else follows in these same catastrophic footsteps. Episode 65, Talking With Your Kids About Drinking. My daughter, Alice, is on the show. I didn't really know what you were like when you were drunk before you started doing weeks without alcohol. Like, I would, like, before you started getting serious about being sober, it was just normal to me. 
But then when you'd go like a week or a month without drinking and then go back to drinking, I would notice like drastic changes. Oh, that's a good point. Like that's what I would like. That's kind of what made me realize and like turn into a little gremlin. So when I was drinking. Or you were the gremlin. Yeah, when, yeah, like I didn't realize that it was bad until you like you were better without it, and then you drink again. Oh, yeah. Well, what kinds of things did you notice with it versus without it? Well, like when you like were drinking, you were like loose and tired and just like careless. But then when you weren't drinking, you, like, kind of could focus more on, like, like work and life and stuff and, like, like cleaning and cooking. But when you were drunk, you would just, like, lay on the couch and, like, you'd, like, get mad or, like, laugh at things. And it was weird. Yeah. And then you got to where you were... Liking sober mom better than drunk yeah, mom. Yeah, I didn't like drunk mom at all. Lamplight. I didn't like how you do weeks and I'd like be mad because at the end of the week, you'd always get a bottle of wine to like celebrate a week sober. Yeah, I I remember at one point because you were so invested in it and that kind of broke my heart a little bit because you you were just really like on me about it he was and i would say i'm this is my treat i'm gonna have wine tonight because i went a week without it like like kind of comparing to you having candy or something like i remember i would say i have to go 21 years without alcohol and you only had to go a week so why are you making such a big deal about it or rewarding a week i would say stuff like that a lot yeah yeah you in a way you do think you're like what is the big deal why can't you go yeah or without i didn't get why it was so hard for you to go like longer than a week without alcohol (laughs) and then i remember at one point i had to tell you I felt like I had to take the responsibility away from you because I feel like you carried a lot of the responsibility and just tell you, like, this is my thing. I'm working on this. You don't need to manage it for me. This is what I'm working on. Like, I, I didn't want you to be so stressed about it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I felt like you were going to, like, go down the wrong path. Episode 50, How to Live an Authentic and Sober Life with Claire Pooley. One of my listeners, she really loves your book and she loves your description of the obstacle course. And that was where you go over basically the hard part of quitting and doing the first few days over and over again. And she was wondering how you came up with that story. 
She said it's really spot on and a really creative way to explain being stuck. Oh, that's lovely to hear. I mean, yeah, that blog post, the the obstacle course, which Mm -hmm. I've then re reprinted in in the in the sober diaries, has been shared thousands and thousands of times since I I wrote it. So nearly you know six and a half years ago, I wrote that post, and it's 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 still constantly shared on the on the internet which is amazing and I think I wrote it when I was about seven months sober and I just had this I I was following a lot of other sober bloggers and there were some who I'd followed who I followed since I quit drinking myself and I was seven months sober and they were back at day one or day seven or day 14 and they kept getting a few weeks under their belts and then starting all over again and I was just trying to work out how I could explain to them why why I found that really sad and really frustrating and and I what what I figured is that the problem is that the first few weeks of quitting are the hardest. You know, the first, you know, anyone who's quit for, for dry January knows that, that the first four weeks are really tough. But the really good bits don't kick in until about 100 days. So if you only do two weeks and then start drinking again, and then you do three weeks and start drinking again, and then you do four weeks and start drinking, you're doing that hard bit of the journey again and again and again, and you haven't yet got to the good bit and that's why I came up with this analogy to try and explain that which was about the obstacle course and and what I said is that I felt like I had been living in this field which was once beautiful and filled with fresh flowers and bunnies and and rainbows and what have you and over the years it had got more and more miserable but it had happened so gradually I'd hardly noticed it so it started getting the weather got worse, it was rainier and the flowers died and it got colder and colder. And I talked to people who said, you know, there's another field some distance away, which is just like the field you used to be in. It's really beautiful. And there are lots of bunnies and fresh flowers and, and you know, beautiful music. And, and there's, there's lots of people there who are really happy and you should go there. But in order to get there, you have to go over this really tough obstacle course. And and you think initially, yeah, I can do that. And you throw yourself at the first obstacle and you go over the sort of six foot wall and the leech infested ditch. And, you know, you, and then you, you start getting more and more tired and you think, I don't know how long it takes to get to the other end of this obstacle course. And I don't know whether that field actually even exists. And where I was, was miserable, but it's not as miserable as this obstacle course it is. And so what you do is you go back, you go back to your field and you think, gosh, I'm glad I'm back here. But before long, you again, you know, you're wet, you're cold, you're miserable and you throw yourself at the obstacle course again and you go, oh, you know, this happens again and again and again until somebody says to you, look, you have to keep going. It only takes 100 days and you will get to that other field. You will get there and it will be amazing. And eventually you keep going through the whole obstacle course over all the obstacles, which get easier and easier and easier and further and further apart until you end up in the field of bunnies. And people share little bunny emojis 
on social media all the time, which is really cute, and say, yeah, that field really does exist and you really can get it there. You just have to get over those obstacles and it takes about 100 days. And once you're there, life will get better and better and better. Thank you so much for listening to this 100th episode of the Off Call Tip Being Point podcast. I hope you enjoyed those clips and enjoy the show. It was really hard to choose what to pick because there's been so many great episodes, so many great guests. I hope that you make it over the obstacle course. I am rooting for you. I am helping you along the way. I'm helping make it easier for you. Hopefully I'm helping you. That is my goal, just to make it easier and let you know you're not alone. And we're all over here in that happy little field rooting for you to get here and join us. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I I really appreciate you all. And I look forward to a hundred more episodes. Have a great day and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. Please share and review the show so you can help other people too. I want you to know I'm always here for you. So please reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com for free resources and help. No matter where you are on your drinking journey, I want to encourage you to just keep practicing, keep going. I promise you are not alone and you are worth it. Every day you practice not drinking is a day you can learn from. I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, talk to you next time.